Uh, before I, I go any further, I would like to say thank, thank you to everyone that were a blessing to Violet and myself on last Saturday on our 39th anniversary. Amen. Just want to say thank you. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. That's a long time. <laughs> time with the same person too you know <laughs> but you know the more you go and the more you are dedicating yourself to the Lord you realize that the person that the Lord has for you and that you're with that you balance each other out and that, because there are certain things I like, she doesn't like, and, but we balance each other out and we are committed not only to each other, but to the Lord. Yes, amen, amen. And it's in, in the commitment to the Lord, first and foremost, that you're able to commit to each other. Because your, your whole thought pattern is how can I please the Lord? And in you pleasing the Lord, then God would show you how to please the person that you're with. Amen, amen. And um, I'm of the opinion that it's not a 50-50. It's just me. Maybe others say it's 50-50. I think it's 100. Because if you give 100% of yourself to that person, in the, in, in, in the area of seed time and harvest, it will come back. But if you do 50-50, now you're expecting something Immediately because I'm giving you half of what God has given me and, and I want something else from you. But if you give 100%, God will then bring back to you, as the scripture says, in good measures, pressed down, shaking again, and running over. And that's, that's one of the things I've learned over the past 39 years. <laughs> You know something, I just, when we got married, I just never envisioned this long. <laughs> you know, because when you get married, you think of that day. Right, right. You think of that year. Right. You think of the next year. And you, you, you're not thinking long-term uh, 25 years, 35 years, 40 years. And after a while, you get, to, you get to see and learn that, you know, if it wasn't for the goodness of God, Hallelujah. when you really think about it, if it wasn't for the goodness of God, where would we be? And that's why I give him all honor and praise. Because when I look back, let's say 25 years ago, where I was. And 25 years ago, it was a time of you just doing things just to make, just to continue, just to continue, just to continue, just to continue. And then now, 
when you spend time with God, you begin to, to see things further down the road that you've never thought of before. And in me spending um, much time in, in, in prayer, I began to see a vision of God, of what his plan and his purpose is. And when we, when we begin to look at that and see what God has for us, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into even my heart what God has prepared. Because I never envisioned this, but God knew. And that's why it's so important in your daily walk, follow God. Follow God. And especially in the times that we're in now, that there's so many things happening around us that there are things that when you think about it, you're like, that's happening? That's happening? But when we look at God and look where God is taking us, we know that it's very, very important to stay in the will of God. Stay in the will of God. Don't let anything deter you from being what God intended for you to be. His full intention, quoted in the book of Romans, is that he, has, he had already predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. Being conformed to the image of his son means to be like him. Each day we should check our, our lives and, and check our our thoughts and our motivation and say, are we being like the one who recreated me? That's the important thing, ladies and gentlemen. That's the important thing. It's not all the things that we do in the natural. Those things are going to pass away. But it's the things that we do for God. That's the most important thing. That lasts forever. And forever, if you haven't thought about it, has no end. Our jobs, that will end because at some point we may retire. At some point they may say we no longer need your services. And at another point you might say, I don't need your service. But it will end. But it's what's done for Christ. That's what will last. And th this month we're talking about success. And I'm going to give a title for my message tonight is Steps to be Successful in the Promised Land. We know of the things that as a, as a body and as individual that we are going through. We, are cross, we have crossed over into the promised land. But in crossing over, we sometimes have to take a look back and see where we, where we have come from and also what we have learned from crossing over and what we will learn and what we can then teach others as they come into this promised land. And we're going to look at three things tonight. 
And there are three things that must be dealt with in order to be a conquering force in the promised land. Now, in the same manner as there are three stages of life, it corresponds to these three stages. You know, our pastor says that those three stages are Egypt, the wilderness, and then the promised land. But when I looked at those, and, and Pastor mentioned it, I had something in my heart that in, in each, each of our lives going through, we, there are certain things that each person has to face in order to be successful in the land that God has already, already given us. The first thing that I realized, you must face yourself. And that's where Egypt comes in then we must face the obstacles that's in our way. That's where the wilderness comes in. And then we must face our enemies. And the enemies, the real enemies, are in the promised land that God has given to us. Now, in Egypt is where that transformation takes place, and in Exodus 12, 12 through 13 says, For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So the first thing we, we, we need to, to realize is that God has made you new. That's the first thing about facing yourself. Facing yourself is, who am I? Who am I? It's recognizing who you are, and, and th 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 I'm not going to take long on this part. Th th there are something that is called an identity crisis. And so many individuals in the body of Christ and outside the body of Christ have an identity crisis. The identity crisis is a question in your sense of self or where you are or where you are placed in the world. At some point, we all go through this. And then in, in that identity crisis, we have what, what the psychologists call the self-concept. It's the image we have of ourselves, and it is easier to shape when you are young and still going through those, the process of self-discovery and identity formation. In, those, the, in that self-concept, the belief of not only who you are, but how other people respond to you. And in those three, there is the, the ideal self. And we all have that. What do you want to be? What is the thing for me? Self-image. So many things have been written and said about self-image of how do you see yourself? 
How do you see yourself? Every day we wake up and we look in the mirror and we have the question in our minds, who am I? What am I here for? What am I really doing? What is really important? In order to be successful in the promised land, these questions must be answered. And the only way they can be answered is through the word. Psychologists only look at it from a, a, a soulish way of how, okay, th this probably is, is a cause of this. Your self-esteem may be because you didn't get all the milk you, you asked for in the morning when you were four years old, so therefore you have, you have a bad self-esteem of yourself or what you think of others. But we have to face these things. And the only way we can face them is through the word, and the word in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 in Amplified says, therefore, if any person any person, any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah. He is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. We have to realize that even though many of us, we know these scriptures, we can quote them. Internally, many people have not in really taken a grasp that they are a new creation. Many people have not taken the real grasping of saying, yes, God has made me new. My outside is the same. It looks the same. But when you have been engrafted, we know what engrafting is. If, if you have a branch and you have a tree and, you, and you, you, you slice it up a little bit on the ends and you put it on there and sometimes you put something to hold it together, eventually because of the substance that's in the, the, the tree itself, it pulls and gives the nutrient to the engrafted one and now that part that has been grafted, it's just the same as the tree itself. And so many Christians, so many people that say they are Christians have not really grasped that. That therefore, if any man be in Christ, in Christ, not about Christ, not talking about him, but if you really have been engrafted, you are a new person. And John 1, 12 and 13 says... But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We say that. We think that. But think about it. We really, so many carnal Christians don't really, really believe that. It sounds good. 
It sounds good to say that, oh yes, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, old things have passed away, all things have become new. It is nice to say that, but when you say to them, God also said, because you are a new creation in me, you are now a God in the earth. That now blows their mind. That's a totally different concept now. Okay, what do you mean I'm a God in the earth? And when you talk to those that say they are Christian, those that say they have been washed in the blood, and you tell them that you are a new creation, and the creation that you have in you, that what you have on the inside of you is the will of God to make you a God in the earth. That, ladies and gentlemen, must really be solidified in your heart and your minds for where we are going. If this, if this is not solidified in your heart and your mind when you start to move in the promised land, you will have problems. And when I say problems, means that the giants will be bigger than you think they are in your mind. Because your heart has not taken on the role of what God says who you are, that you are a God in the earth, and that because this is him, God himself, living on the inside, when you, I mean, when you really think about it, when you really just, just, just forget about just, just the fluff of words and you just imagine what God did for you when you said, Father, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior, that your DNA, everything about you was changed. Your spirit man was then recreated. Ladies and gentlemen, your spirit man, the true you, is God. That's not religious. That's godly. Because if you don't really take that to heart and, 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 and work with it and, and speak it out and really truly believe it, when the enemy comes, and ladies and gentlemen, he will come, even though you're in the promised land. It has been promised to you, but there are things in the promised land that must be conquered. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes. And 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In him we are righteous. First thing we must do, face ourselves. First Corinthians 1.30 says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. What has he done? When you unite something, what do you do to them? You join them together. You join them, join them together so that they are one. When we leave out here uh, tonight and tomorrow and the next day, when circumstances and situation 
confronts you, do you say I am a God in the earth and that no weapon that is formed against me will prosper? Do you really say that or do you say, oh, you know, that, 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 that's just things, things happen. You know, some of you have listened to the testimony I gave uh, two weeks ago about what happened on that Sunday morning. Who has not listened to? Who has not heard? Okay. Okay, i just do a quick synopsis. Just before uh, the fast, and Pastor mentioned we are going to a fast, my body started going through some real good stuff. I had uh, tinglings, chest pains, tinglings in my arm, and what I had to do, I had to really take authority. Because, and you see, th this happens to, to, to many people, and for some reason, Rather than calling on the name that is above every name, they call 911. And during the fast, oh, it, 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 was, it was really, it was really happening. And every day I would speak the word, I will live and not die. God, you said that you will take all sickness from, from, from the midst of me because you are the Lord that healed and because I am a God in this earth, I will not die. But you see, uh, a couple of weeks before that, I had a dream that someone, two people came to my house and, and they said, I'm gonna kill you. And in the dream, I closed the door and I said, oh, you can't kill me. Because I'm a God in the earth. And they started shoot, shooting different type of munitions, uh, uh, guns and, and, and grenades. And you can feel the house shaking. And all throughout I said, you can't kill me because I'm a God in the earth. After the munition, you mun I'm, I'm speaking fast, right? I try to get through it. <laughs> I can do that in New York fast. And, and so after all their, their, their munitions was empty, I opened the door. And they said, they looked at me with the look of, how come you're not dead? I said, I told you, you can't kill me because I'm a God in the earth. And the other one, look, I said, you cannot kill me. I'm a God in the earth. Not realizing that two weeks later, the, 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 the real test was going to come. The real test was going to come. And then when, it, when, when the test came, what did I have to do? There was one of two things I could do. I can speak the word and stand as a God in the earth or I can quiver and say, I need a doctor. But God is the ultimate doctor. And we need to realize that. I have nothing, nothing, nothing against doctors because there are people that do need the help because of their condition and what they don't know and, and how they, they, their lifestyle and things like that. Doctors are great. However, we have the creator of the universe living on the inside of us. And so on that Sunday night, I was asleep, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, my whole 
chest area. I mean, it just felt like drums beating. And I woke up. And you know something? There wasn't even a panic on me. I said, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of of Jesus. And then I started to speak the word of what the word says about me, of what the word says about his word not failing. And because his word doesn't fail, I can't fail that I am a God in the earth and that no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. And then everything just settled down. But you know something? The enemy just doesn't take that one thing. Remember the scripture where, where, where the, the, the Satan came to Jesus and he tempted him and then he said, now he moved for an oppo- next opportune time. So th- throughout the week, things were good, didn't have those pains, but you know, there's some that little nagging thing nagging you. And, and last Sunday evening, I went practice bowling. With, 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 my, with my bowling partner, and I was saying to him, because he, he's a minister also, he said, I said to him, I said, you know, I need to go home and pray, because something is going on. I didn't, it wasn't physically going on. I just say something in, in the spirit realm is going on. And I came home, and I said to Violet, I said, uh, I'm going to go pray for about 30 minutes. I ended up praying for an hour. And then after praying, I went to bed, and while I was in, the, in bed, I was speaking the word. Lord, this is what your word says. You, this is what your word says. Your word says, I am a God. Your word says, no weapon is formed against me shall prosper. This is what your word says. And because your word says, I believe it, and I know who I am. And before I went to sleep, I said, I said Lord, show me what's going on in the realm of the spirit. Fell asleep. Had another dream. This dream, an ambulance came to my house. Just pull it. I, I, I was in the house. I hear the ambulance. And, and the thing was, you know, ambulance, they make flashing light and you can see them. This one, it, it was black. The whole thing was black. And then, and then the person that came out <clears throat> of the ambulance was all in black, <clears throat> but they didn't walk. You know those movies that you show, they show you the ghosts and they glide? That's what it did. It glide to my door. I said, you can't come in. Now remember, I asked God to show me what was going on in the realm of the spirit. And he kept knocking the door. I said, you can't come in. I said, you know what? And mom, I said, I'm going to go get my gun. And as I said that, I woke up. I woke up speaking what the word says. Because that's what the gun meant. By speaking the word. And I speak the word. And when you speak the word, things happen. The enemy has to move. But, you know, I was, I was, boy, I'm not even on my point and I've done it. Already been speaking 30 minutes. Okay. But you know, I, I've, I've, been, I've been thinking. 
years prior, and I'm not saying anything about this movement, when I was a part of the Word of Faith movement, if this had happened, if this had happened, if this had happened, I probably would not be here today. Because even though they teach you about faith, it's not ingrained in you of what you are, who you are, what you need to do when the enemy comes in. It's all about you just merely speaking word, but not who you are. The most important thing you have to realize in going into the promise that is know who you are. Because in knowing who you are, you can conquer anything because then you will realize that you are a God in the earth. And you see, I know. I know who I am. Because if I speak the word... God is obligated to his word. I didn't tell, I didn't make him obligated. He obligated himself to his word. He said he will not alter the things that comes out of his mouth. What he said, he will bring it to pass and he will do it. But you have to speak the word and the word only because that's what he said he makes haste to perform. Not your feelings. But it's his word. And you have to make his word of utmost importance in your life. Because it's his word that gives you life. So, in knowing who you are, this is how the King James Version in 1 Corinthians 1.30 puts it. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto you all wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. But in knowing who you are comes the second portion, the wilderness portion, facing your obstacles. The wilderness is where you learn to speak the word and face your obstacles. I'm going to spend a few minutes on this because I have determined, I have determined that there is one obstacle that faces us that we have to confront. One, only one. That one encompasses a whole lot of others, but it's this one. If you can conquer this one, you'll be invincible. Genesis 3, 6 through 11. The woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked, like, looked, de- looked delicious. 
and she wanted the, the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some, of the, some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig, fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool of the evening, in the cool, when, when the cool evening breeze was, was blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord, from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Here is what I want you to really, really take a look at. The first time this word is mentioned, in the 10th verse he said, Adam said, he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid myself. I was afraid. I was afraid. The biggest obstacle that you face in your life is that one word, fear. Fear will cause you to do things out of character. Fear will cause you to not do what you are called to do. Fear will cause you to run away from the call that God has for you. Fear will cause you to shrink and not do anything. In order for you to be successful in the promised land, you must be fearless. Now, I was, I was reading this. And, and Adam said to, to, to the Lord that he was afraid because he was naked. That wasn't the reason. You know why? Because in, in, in the previous chapter, in chapter 2, verse 25, it says the man and the woman were in the garden and they were naked. They knew they were naked. Before, their nakedness wasn't a thing to be ashamed of because it was the covering of Almighty God. When you step outside of the will of God, no matter how much clothes you have on, you are still naked before the Lord. And you know, when, 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 when God came in the cool of the even, they already sewed fig leaves and covered themselves, so they weren't naked then. They weren't naked. But it's the covering of the Lord. Without the covering of the Lord, fear will set in your life and would hold you back from even worshiping God, from even thinking about God. Fear holds everybody back. 
Think of yourself. How many times someone say to you, oh, I, I got a good, a, good, a good example, good, a good example. I call up someone and say, I have a prayer slot open that I would like you to pray. I am looking straight at the audience out there. No one here. And I say to them, um, would you be able to fill this spot for me for today? And you know, 99.9% .9 of the time they say no. You know why they say no? It's not because they don't have the word in them. It's not because they're not ready. It's because of one word, fear. Fear. I'm not talking to anyone that have called and asked to do this and they have said no. Even though I know and they know it's because of fear. We all know it. We try to be like, like Adam to cover it up, but you can't cover it up because it's there. Even you, 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 you come to service and say, uh, can you pray for 10 minutes? Uh, uh, it's not that they're not able or capable of doing it, but that one four-letter word, fear. Let's look at how fear from the scriptures. <laughs> hmm. Exodus 14, 9 through 11, King James Version says, but the Egyptian pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and, and overtook them and camped at the sea of Pihathiar. Hmm. Uh, believe me, I pronounced that word before because it's, it's a tongue twister. twister it, yeah. And Baal Zippon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptian marched after them, and they were so afraid. It wasn't just a little nervousness. They were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, now, now listen, what they said because there were no graves in Egypt thou hast taken us away to die in the wilderness wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt now these are people <laughs> a few days before God showed up mightily on their behalf. They went out of Egypt. Scripture says not one feeble one among them. Now, now that in itself, when you think about it, that in itself is the miracle working power of God. Remember, these were slaves. And the scripture says there was not one 
We can understand if it says that, 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 that there was some feeble one, but it said there was not one feeble one among them, which means that the energy of the Spirit of God was on the inside of each and every one of them. And they knew it because they knew if they were crippled the night before, once they eat of that Passover lamb, the, the power of God went in their bodies and healed them. See, right now, we all have the Spirit of God in us, but there are some of us in here that have some illness that we're dealing with. But imagine that you were a slave, and when it was time to leave your captors, that you were able to be infused by the power of God, that nothing in your body was lacking. And now they see Pharaoh coming in there, they're saying, uh, Moses, did you bring us to die here? Fear gripped them. How many times in your life that you have seen things coming on you and fear grips you and you said, oh, no, I'm going to die now. Fear holds on to us in such a way. And you know, that came from Adam. The law first mentioned, wherever it's mentioned in the, in the scripture, it carries that same meaning over. And, and Adam was afraid. He was, he was in fear. And that now came down upon every one of us. That now the first thing, for, you, 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 you see somebody and when, when you don't know that person, the first thing grips you is fear. When you see someone that looks a little bit different from you, wear a little different clothes, first thing, you're afraid of them. But we that are going to walk in the promised land, fear will not be a part of our vocabulary, our thinking, our thought patterns, or our heart. So your biggest obstacle is that fear, which it's a feeling of inadequacy. And I'm sure some of you have heard the, 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 the vernacular of, of what fear is. False evidence appearing real. False evidence looking like it's legit. And so many times, those things that we are fearful of never ever come to pass. We bring it to pass in our minds, but never, for the most part, in reality. Which means, according to Romans 12, where Paul says, that I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, presenting your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable form of service, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is how God responds to fear. Moses told the people in Exodus 14, 13, Exodus 14, 13. Moses told the people, what did he tell them? Fear not, stand still, which means firm and confidence, undismay, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. God's answer to fear is to not fear. Fear not is used in the scripture over a hundred times. So many times when, when, when God appears to someone, he said, fear not. And it's so interesting. When you look at it, why is it all, God's always saying, fear not, fear not, don't fear, don't fear. Because he knew what was passed down from Adam to you is when something is different, the first thing that enters your heart and mind is to fear, is to be afraid. It's to want to run away from that thing. And God always says, fear not. Do not be afraid. Why should I not be afraid? Because 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. This is what God has given us. What the enemy gives us is fear, but what God gives us is power, love, and self-discipline, or as the, the King James Version says, a sound mind. Philippians 4.13 says that I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. He gives me the ability to do it. First John 4, 4 says, but ye beloved, but ye belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over these, these, those people because the spirit which lives in you is greater than the spirit which lives in the world. What I'm trying to, for, to, to, for you to see is that when the spirit of fear comes on you, God says he has not given that to you. That's of the enemy. And if you have the spirit of fear on you, you will never be able to conquer anything in the promised land that we're in. Look at David. I'm almost finished. Psalm 27, 1 and 2 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foe, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. The Lord is the light and he's my salvation. Who will you fear? Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Proverbs 8.13 says, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. It says, all those who fear the Lord. Now we're looking at another kind of fear. This fear is reverential fear to God in terms of his, his power, his authority, that we revere him, not afraid of him to run away from him, but revere him to run to him. Someone 11:10 says, "Fear the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obeys His commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise Him forever." First Peter 5:7 says, "Casting all your cares, that cares means your distractions upon him because he is concerned with you." I'm going to jump down to 1 John 4, 17. 1 John 4, 17 and 18 says, And as we, as we live in God, our love, love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid of the judgment day but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels some of your fears. Perfect love expels all of your fears. Now, I'm not saying this. This is not my words. This is what the Bible says. It says perfect love in the King James Version casts out all fears. Which means if we interpret it right, if there is fear in you, then his love in you has not been Perfected. Eighteenth verse continues, says, If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. What does perfect love look like? Perfect love 
is when you allow God that says he is your light and your strength. He is the one that is able to bring you through. He is the one that says, don't be dismayed. That's what perfect love looks like. When you, you rest in the arms and in, and in his word. Because his word is what will carry you through. So we have in this congregation men and women that know the perfect love of God because we don't have any fears. We don't have any fears. No fear here. Why? We are lions. The lion doesn't run away from anything, even to his own demise. He runs away from nothing. We have the heart of lions. And by having the heart of lions, we are able to accomplish what God has instructed us for us to do. So that was Egypt. That was the wilderness. And now I have just one scripture for the promised land. Just one scripture. My final scripture. Just one. In the promised land, Joshua 1, 1 through 9. This is your promised land scripture. Joshua chapter 1, 1 through 9 says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore... Arise, go over this Jordan. God has already said for us to go over this Jordan. Thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Listen to what God says. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. Notice what he says here. Wherever your foot, wherever it touched, he has already. He's not giving it to you as you step. It's already yours. All you have to do is step. But what prevents us from stepping is one word, fear. The fourth verse says, in the wilderness, in the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittite, unto the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I 
will not fail thee nor forsake thee. In the promised land that God has given to you already, he said he will not fail you, neither will he forsake you. Meaning that everything that we have in the promised land is a victory for us because it's already been given to us. The victory has already been won. If we can get over that one problem of fear. And getting over that problem, the sixth verse says, be strong and of a good courage. Didn't say be fearful. Didn't say shrink back. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayst observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant command thee. Turn not from it from the right hand or to the left that thou mayst prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayst observe to do according to all that is written therein for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success have I not commanded thee be strong and of a good courage Amen. be not afraid neither be dismayed for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever so with ever so ever that you go So in the promised land, there is flawless victory. Flawless victory. There is no defeat. There is no struggle because he has already given us the victory. All we need to do is fear not only be strong and of a good courage and when you are strong and of good courage God says you have the inheritance that I've already given to you let that be your train of thought let that be everything that is about you from this moment forth. I have no fear. Only be strong and of a good courage because God is with me in this promised land where I have flawless victory. Let's stand in our feet. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Father, we thank you. Lord God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord God. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. We honor you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. We say, oh Lord, oh Lord, how excellent is your name, oh God. We thank you, Lord God. We glorify you, Lord God. Glory to your name, Father. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Glory and honor to you, Lord God. Glory and honor to you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. We honor you, Lord God, for your grace, your mercy, your loving kindness, oh Lord God. Glory and honor to you, oh Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you and we honor you tonight. Lord God, that your people will stand firm in the liberty where you have set them free, Lord God. And that no fear will touch their hearts or their minds because they know who they are in you. That you have made them new creations, Lord God. And Father, I thank you that as they walk in you, Father, you will manifest yourself on their behalf so that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are with them whithersoever they go, O oh God. That whatever they touch will be theirs. And I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Let's just open, open your mouth and just, just begin to pray in the spirit. Oh, seal this word in their hearts, oh Lord God. Seal this word in their hearts, oh Lord God. Seal this word in their hearts, oh Lord God. Oh Lord, oh Lord, we thank you, oh God. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, oh Lord God. We thank you, Father, because you are a loving God. Oh Lord, oh Lord, we thank you. How excellent is your name in all the earth, oh Lord God. Glory and honor and praise to you, Lord. Glory, honor, and praise to you, Lord. 
is none like you, O oh Lord God. Oh, blessing, honor, and glory, majesty, power belongs only to you, O oh Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. God is good. Right now, before we close, I just want to say that Lionheart Church is in a, a transitional period. And in this transitional period, everyone needs to purposeful, be purposeful about seeking God and what their places at Lionheart because once this transition is okay this, this, is, this is the way I see it it's like you're, you're, you're in, in the school in school and the bell rings the class is over but you know you have only a certain amount of time to get to your next class and everyone has to scamper to get to the class. This is where we are. Everyone needs to get to their class. Everyone needs to get to the room that they need to be in so that you can do what God wants you to do in that room, in that place, so that you can be what God intended for you to be. Don't get caught in the hallway after the doors are closed. It will not be pleasant. So in this transition period, find your room. Find your room. Amen. Whew. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's lift our hands one more time to the Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Father, we thank you. We honor you, Lord God, for even this time that we're in. Lord God, that each and every person will know the room that they're supposed to be in, oh Lord God, and not get caught on the outside wondering, where am I to be? Father, give them the grace that is needed for them to find the place that they need to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Online audience, thank you for joining us. Have a blessed and a prosperous evening. Let this word be enriched in your heart so that you know the place that you are to be in God. God bless you. Have a great night. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for, for coming out to, tonight. Be where you need to be. That's, that, that, that's, that's the only way I can put it. Because it, it, it's, it's going to happen like 
so fast that if, 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 if you're not ready, you're going to be caught. I, I, see, that was the Lord because you're going to be caught in the hall and, and all the doors are going to be closed and everything's going to be, and you're going to be wondering, oh, okay, wh wh where do I go now? Know your place. Amen. I've recognized everyone here. Thank you once again. Give somebody a hug and tell them this. Know your place. And have a good night. <laughs>